This session is with CZ, CEO of Binance. He's going to introduce us to stock tokens. I'll briefly talk about some IPOs and share more information and updates about Binance Smart Chain. Welcome, CZ. So, could you briefly introduce stock tokens to our audience, please? Uh, sure, yeah, I'll try my best. Yeah, thanks. Stock tokens is just basically a way, but I would say the correct term is probably tokenized stocks. So basically, we have a partner, CM Equities, that will, uh, they are a licensed partner in Germany and they're buying and holding the stocks uh, issuing a tokenized uh, version and tokenizing it so they're issuing a token which represents that stock and we we trade it in a very simple technical manner that's how well that's what it is and uh, we feel that this will allow our users to have more access to more financial products or instruments so for example tesla stock is for most people in the u.s is probably not super expensive but for develop for less developed countries sometimes it is quite hard to access both from a single stock price level and being too high or, or not easy to just access from from other parts of the world so we just want to so we feel that this uh, financial product to be well this is this is a good product to offer and uh, you will basically allow more people to access more products sounds good thank you and why binance is launching stock tokens now i think there's always a combination of factors when we decide to when we decide when to launch i think the biggest factor to consider is is there enough users with demand for this and i think most people probably know that we're not the first ones launching a product like this there are other smaller exchanges launching product like this uh, first and uh, we felt that based on the numbers it, it does look like a promising area that people there's a demand and need for it and, and also given that they're also i think basically uh, we also review the feasibility of it and given that cm equity is a licensed uh, partner and they are able to work with other exchanges on the, based uh, in this way so we didn't really invent it but we just thought the market is ready yeah absolutely and could you uh, explain a little bit more how is it different from holding stocks and why it's better, which possibilities it gives to people who has lower budgets to invest? Yeah, I mean, for most people around the world, accessing, like basically if you're not in the U.S., accessing U.S. equity is probably quite difficult or accessing value packed to this equities is probably quite difficult. And like Tesla stock is probably still okay, $700-ish. Uh, they're very expensive so those are not very inclusive for people all around the world it's very quite hard to access them uh, whereas and a blockchain token is much is far more accessible to most people and uh, being able to tokenize and fractionalize stocks we, we just think that this will offer a much wider access point for people all around the world definitely and we launched with tesla stock tokens and now binance also listed coinbase stock tokens so what's coming next I'm not sure, to be honest. Again, I'm not deeply involved in the in the everyday operations of most Binance products. But fundamentally, we are user-driven. So whatever has user demand, we will try to list. And so far, on the given the first few days of... Um, it's only launched for the first few days. And it has already surpassed all of our wildest expectations. So far, it has proven to be a product with, with very strong demand. And also, after launching this, um, there has been many inquiries on partnerships, etc from various other player uh, partner potential partners around the world so we think there's actually a very strong demand for this and also um, this is something that some of the traditional investors who does not understand cryptos actually now understand so for crypto people have many people have the misconception uh, that uh, because crypto is not based on, a, on anything so you may not have value and for there's a lot of um, I'm actually surprised there's a lot of guys who still think like that but for those guys many of them are very comfortable trading something packed to a equity token 
uh, packed to a um, stock token. This actually broadens our potential user reach as well. So we'll see how it goes. Whatever have users, whatever users want, and we feel that the opportunity is right, we will push. Exciting. And how was the reception so far? Is it what you mentioned to be like? So far, the rest, the reception has, is way beyond our NA uh, expectations to the point where we actually had to scramble a little bit. So, for example, we people didn't know this. The um, our partner initially only prepared a little bit of stock. They felt that would be sufficient, and turned out that it wasn't sufficient. They had uh, they had stock more uh, stock pretty quickly. Yeah, it's so far the the, the reception is very strong. Great, great. Um, we're going to go to another topic. Uh, but we also have Riley, who's our PR representative of Stoke Tokens. Riley, maybe you want to add something else? Hi guys, hi everyone. Thanks CZ for giving the introduction and thanks everyone for spending a bit of a Saturday with us. No, I think CZ really covered pretty well. It is a very interesting product because what CZ explained, I think it depends on the perspective that we come in. If you are an existing Binance uh, crypto user, and of course we hope you are a Binance user, this is an opportunity for someone to diversify into um, equity. The reason, the reason being, in some parts of the world, um, traditional ways to access uh, stock trading can have certain hurdles or can, or, or can be, in some sense, a bit expensive. So this is one perspective we are, we are, we are looking for, we are looking out for. From the other hand, if you are already a traditional stock stock traders, you know about equity. This is a way we hope to engage uh, more of such uh, conventional users and introduce them into crypto, digital assets per se. So we just want to share a bit on why we are doing this. I think CZ has, has, has given much more um, background on this as well. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Riley. So our next question, CZ. Uh, we see Coinbase going public. We heard that other cryptocurrency, crypto, sorry, crypto exchanges will go public as well. What are your thoughts on that? Is Binance planning to go uh, public? Yeah, so I think the um, fact that Coinbase is going public has done the IPO is fantastic. It's great for the industry. It's great for Coinbase. And uh, it's great for everyone else in the industry as well. They worked super hard for the last nine years uh, and they figured uh, they overcame all hurdles and found a way to uh, get a, a public listing on NASDAQ, which is tremendous. It has, um, in addition to being being just important for, for them raising money, this now paves the way. This shows that it's possible to get for a crypto business to be listed on nasdaq and i think at a high level it shows the level it shows the acceptance of crypto businesses by at least the u.s markets uh, which is very very important which basically leads all other markets so many other markets look look to what u.s do and now this this is a, a this is a world leading economy accepting crypto businesses. This is fantastic. Now there's also more practically now there's also a playbook a a way to get listed for other people to copy. So as long as you well basically for for example for Binance.us if they want to go this route they could potentially just do now there's a playbook they can follow and many other businesses in the U.S. can can potentially do this. And IPO still is still a very good fundraising also uh, exit strategy for early investors and also uh, very important for brand recognition etc so i think this is fantastic for binance.com right now we are not looking at ipoing ourselves we are self we are sufficiently self-funded we're sufficiently funded we don't really need to do any more fundraising we our business is pretty solid it's growing very uh, very health well it's growing very healthily to the point where we could we're kind of struggling with the growth users flooding in that we're actually unable to handle uh, them to the level of the service that we want to provide but we're fixing that and uh, but from an ipo perspective uh, i just don't see a strong need for binance.com 
come to chase IPOs now. Uh, I think we want to continue to focus on users and being being able to service them better. IPO do have a associated cost in terms of uh, there's going to be a lot of effort. There's going to be a lot of senior senior team tension to be paid on it. It's a very extensive exercise. We just uh, I just don't see bring much benefit for Binance.com, but I do see the benefit for many many other crypto businesses. So I'm supportive of it. Uh, we're, we are supportive of it to the point that we actually listed the Coinbase coin on the new product that we just discussed. We'll, we'll see how things go. Thank you. This is a great answer. It's great to see Binance supporting other projects and companies to bring more adoption to the crypto space. And one of the main products right now in our crypto industry is Binance Smart Chain Community Drone Platform. Uh, maybe you could share more about this, where it is now. And we've heard that there are many transactions going on in terms of daily volume and that total unique addresses also reached a new high. What are your perspective on this and how do you see this being developed in the future? Sure. At a very high level, a couple of data points. Binance Smart Chain is now handling somewhere around five, four point, like, uh, 5 million transactions per day. That's about 3x more than what well, how many transactions are happening on, on the Ethereum network. And Ethereum network has been pretty much stuck at 1.2 million. I think that's pretty much the network capacity. Given that the network is fully saturated, the fees goes high, it goes up and um, it becomes less inclusive when you charge a hundred dollars, a hundred US dollars equivalent in in gas fees for each transaction. For the simpler transactions, some have not seen a transaction cost lower than 10 US dollars for the last, I don't know, month. And some complex complex transactions are actually costing much more than that. Uh, depending on the complexity of the smart contract. So with the total number of addresses on Binance Smart Chain reached about 64 million. Uh, Ethereum is about three times that, 148 million. But Ethereum has been around for, what, six, seven years. And uh, Binance Smart Chain has only been around for about, what, four, seven, six, seven months. It's very fast growing. Binance Smart Chain does leverage inventions and innovations of mostly done by the Ethereum community. And um, but at the same time, Binance Smart Chain community has innovated quite a bit more on top of that, uh, including the uh, speed improvements and performance improvements, etc. Many people don't view uh, performance improvements as innovations. That's okay. We do view, uh, we have a different view. We view speed performance performance being a very key innovation in, in many aspects of our products. Binance Smart Chain is not a Binance product, but uh, it is a, a performance improvements are important innovations in our view, in my view. And I think thirdly, there's currently about four or 500 projects that's pretty active on Binance Smart Chain. And, they, uh, and the projects on Binance Smart Chain are growing faster in terms of number of users compared to the counter parts on uh, Ethereum. They're also growing pretty Many of the projects already overtook similar projects on Ethereum. One of the most famous, famous examples is um, given the Uniswap is probably one of the most famous ones on Ethereum, but PancakeSwap is, is passed on your, almost every measurable metric in terms of active users, total value locked, number of transactions per day, etc. Yeah, so I think Binance Smart Chain is a very prominent, uh, is very interesting. Again, it's uh, it has performed way beyond <laughs> any of my expectations. About a year and a half ago, when when the group of guys came to me uh, asking for a, for like a, a grant, I was like, okay, it's a small number and uh, let's try it. I did not expect now we had nearly 5 million transactions per day. And actually, I thought they'll be lucky to achieve to reach parity with Ethereum, maybe basically handling 1.2 million transactions per day in two to three years. But, uh, you know, things things happen pretty quickly. And yeah, so I think I'm very impressed with the Binance Smart Chain community and what they have been able to achieve. And I to the point where I fully believe that a lot of the recent increases in the BNB price is actually owed to the activity of the Binance Smart Chain community and what they've built. So uh, 
I think there's probably quite a large number of them, well, a decent number of them are listening to this live right now and probably more later on. So I want to say uh, thank you to all, all, of the, um, uh, all of you guys in the Binance Smart Chain community. Wonderful. Yeah, this is exciting to see how Binance Smart Chain is growing significantly day over day and how active the community is. And based on that, BNB price has increased significantly as well because there are more use cases to use BNB for fees, to participate in some ideas on decentralized platforms. And recently, uh, Binance had burned another portion of BNB. Would you like to share more on that? Uh, yeah, so uh, the Binance, the last burn, which it performed about 24 hours ago, I guess, is um, smaller compared to the last burn in BNB numbers, but in US dollar numbers, it's humongous. It's about four or five times than the, the last burn. So um, the total amount of burn, the total amount of BNB burn is like uh, over a million BNB, which equates to about 600 million US dollars, depending on uh, on the fluctuations of the BNB price. So it goes, why we burn coins is based on our commitment from our initial white paper days that we will be the worst we issued 200 million BNB and we committed to burn half of it we sold half of it eventually and um, um, it's actually right now we don't use uh, we don't we don't tie the burn amount to our revenues or profits or etc et and doing that makes certain negative uh, associations to to the for the BNB coin which can potentially be interpreted as a as having some properties of a uh, of a security token in certain part uh, in certain regions in the world so we remove the association there and we also found out that is if we just use those numbers to burn, uh, it's actually going to be quite slow. Uh, even though the Binance do make decent uh, revenues and earnings, but uh, it will take many years or even decades, uh, maybe even centuries, especially if the BNB price continues to go up. And so we actually have an accelerated burn program starting from last quarter. And uh, yeah, so it's a big number. What does this? That's the mechanism behind the burns. But uh, what's important for the uh, for for the average user is uh, I'm just surprised that many people don't under, don't understand that when we burn 600 million US dollars worth of BNB, it's very good for the other uh, for anyone who's still holding BNB. It's good for everyone else that's holding BNB. So I think for for the guys who are holding BNB, the this is probably fairly straightforward. Um, but I'm always surprised that so many people who does not understand this people don't understand like a burn is has the similar economic or financial effect as a um, airdrop. People seem to like airdrops quite quite a lot, but when we do a burn, people don't, a lot of people don't get it. I also get questions like, hey, you just did a 600 million US dollar burn on the BNB, but the BNB price didn't move. Why? I don't know. The uh, the market, uh, the the price of BNB is determined by market trading, and uh, that's a mass, uh, a mass psychology issue. If more people wants to buy, then BNB price goes up. More people wants to sell, people BNB price goes down. But at the other times people ask me hey it's easy bnb price went from like a 20 dollars to now 500 dollars over the last three four months uh why i'm like well i don't know either are those two things correlated i don't know so um most likely but i'm no i can approve 100 percent sure so i get questions like questions like this all the time which shows people there's a lot of people who doesn't really understand uh, some of the fundamental concepts behind burn etc so hopefully we can uh, do more sessions like this uh, we'll continue to try to educate people to, uh, to the best extent we can but the, the last burn, uh, when the team calculated the numbers and told me well, that's the number, I was very impressed. And I'm also very happy, uh, both as a, as a BNB holder myself and also for the, all the other BNB holders. And I'm very proud that we are able to do this. Yeah, so that's kind of the BNB burn. Yeah, absolutely. 
Thanks, Karina. Thanks, Zizi. Not a lot from me, right? We have uploaded quite a bit of information about stock tokens, uh, FAQ for the users. We have a blog post. And this is a new product. This is a very exciting time for us. It's the first week. So we also look forward to everyone's feedback. And of course, your patience as well as we grow and uh, reiterate uh, this new product. I want to just maybe also let the um, everyone here know. So what? We just discussed about BNB, but yesterday we also just uploaded our, uh, we, we just posted our quarterly um, review, which included what CZ just talked about on the BNB front, including some key highlights from quarter one about um, Binance Pay and Binance Card. I'm not sure whether CZ, you want to take two minutes to just um, maybe pick about, um, maybe talk a little bit about any of the Q1 highlights? Sure, I will bring it up. <laughs> Give me one sec. Uh, let me bring it up in front of me so that I don't... Sure. So I think a, a number of key, very key highlights from there. I think uh, one of the projects that we are... Uh, that's one of the new initiatives that we're working on is Binance Pay. So that was revealed in February. I, that's, that's actually a pretty large initiative uh, from Binance. Payments is one of those obvious uh, use cases, the most obvious use case for crypto, but has not really taken off yet in any meaningful way. We're going to take another stab at it. Uh, we'll see if we can get uh, users to use crypto to pay for things directly, etc. So this way, people don't have to worry about the concept of selling. The concept of a sale is really, we call you call it a sale when you are based in fiat terms. Uh, we want to uh, we want to provide tools to help people move, uh, migrate into a, well, at least have the ability to migrate into a pure crypto uh, environment. Binance Pay has been launched and um, so far it's about 250,000 users interacting with it uh, or have used it in some way. Many of them are in uh, less financially developed countries uh, where the existing financial infrastructures don't really have good solutions. So we're seeing that we're seeing that happening, which is really uh, fantastic. What most people don't know is behind Binance Pay, there's actually a larger initi initiative uh, with a Binance Open Platform uh, initiative. Um, and there's a lot of technical work done on that side. So there'll, there'll be a, few, a bit more news coming out pretty soon. Uh, related to that, there's Binance Card, um, which uh, is, again, in very high demand. We have only managed to launch it in Europe. We're supposed to launch in more uh, geographic regions this uh, last quarter, but the demand from Europe has kept uh, the team very, very busy. Uh, there's still small uh, issues like shipping cars that don't arrive, stuff like that. Uh, we have, we're, we're working to improve some of the physical logistics, etc. So they have not, um, they actually had to delay some of the global uh, expansion so that they can service that region well. Uh, we want to service existing users well before we expand. So um, uh, Binance Card, again, has pretty much gone beyond our expectations. Um, the Spinal Light, uh, which is not so much a separate product, but it's just a, um, a, a complete revamp of uh, quite a lot of our user interfaces. Binance offers so many uh, products now that it's very daunting and confusing for a new user uh, or, or just a basic user. So we have revamped, completely revamped our mobile app so that we now have a light mode, which is the default mode that new users come in. It hides a lot of the complex complexity of some of the uh, products and offers people a very easy uh, experience or not very easier experience to onboard with uh, crypto. So um, we are pushing, we're working on a light mode for the website. And uh, so hopefully we can push that out pretty pretty soon as well. When uh, we hope that will actually help bring the next level of mass users uh, into crypto, um, because the right now the, the current users of crypto are mostly are pretty much all early adopters. But given that crypto only has about one to two percent penetration in the in the general population, if we want to bring that to ten percent, eighty percent, one hundred percent, we need to make the product much easier to use. So that's another big initiative that we have worked on and continues to work on. The next one is that we actually have we. 
we have got very lucky with uh, increasing our team and talent. And also, uh, we were very fortunate to be able to get Senator Max Baucus to be our advisor. And we also have Rick McDonald and Jose uh, Nadeau. Both are very uh, heavyweight compliance compliance advisors. So uh, we're very happy to get those three to become our advisors. We actually have a few more in the pipeline. And um, I can't share the details yet, but I'm super excited to, uh, I can't wait to announce them. But we are really beefing up, uh, beefing up our team with both on the regulatory compliance and also just sort of um, with the strong people front. Uh, people with ex- exceptionally strong experiences in leading teams and leading products, leading platforms, etc. Uh, I think you will see a lot more news from us on the team expansion side. I'm super excited about that. Yeah, last but not least, Binance launch, the launch pool, relatively new product, and it continues to push uh, newer uh, DeFi projects and help the projects get access to liquidity to users. Uh, so we want to continue to facilitate that. As of March 2020, I believe four, uh, we have recorded 4.6 billion US dollars worth of total value locked in tokens. And um, the launch pool also distributed 529 million in US dollars equivalent in tokens to about half a million crypto holders. So that's the 529 million US dollars worth of uh, earnings, however you call it, of benefits being distributed. I think that's a that's a humongous uh, achievement. Yeah, I think that those are the sort of key highlights from the uh, most recent newsletter. I don't know if you guys want to add anything. Thank you, CZ. And let's welcome Satya. Hi, I didn't expect to be the first person. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, just uh, one question regarding the stock or token. What are the criteria? Which stocks do you pick up and which you don't? Yeah, so to answer that, again, I think we basically go by the number of users is the sort of key metric. We, we want to see what stocks, are. We, ideally, we want to list stocks that at the intersection of uh, traditional finance and also a new finance or crypto finance. So we want to list things that the, the crypto guys want to trade. So that's really the sort of key uh, criteria. Uh, it's relatively new. I'm, I'm actually not involved in the listing selection process at all. I actually don't know what that process is. I have to confer with the team to see what their uh, listing processes are. But on this front, it's actually quite easy because uh, those are already relatively well-selected assets, basically publicly listed equities. Um, so it's just a matter of figuring out which stocks might be more popular. I guess I'm guessing that it's, it's just a matter of figuring out which stocks are more popular within the crypto industry. So we want to Find, we want to find the intersection of those uh, of that two industries. Um, that would be my guess. Yeah. Thank you, Cezy. Let's welcome our next guest. Hi, Scott. Hi. Um, hi. Thanks, Cezy, for the uh, talk. Um, I was actually just curious if you had any commentary about um, the CTFC investigation into Binance's activity in the States and also just a, a bit of a broader commentary on whether or not regulation uh, can be a benefit to Binance's growth or if it might be a, a challenge to Binance's growth in the future. Okay, so the first part I actually can't comment. Uh, number one, if there's any, if, uh, we do not comment on the existence or non-existence of any particular investigations by any particular agency. Um, all of those, and including all of our relationship with any of the potential, potential or existing partners we just don't comment on that because uh, tonight we don't have a relationship with a partner is, is also revealing potentially confidential information uh, so that part I cannot comment a Binance US is also a separate entity from Binance.com I mostly represent Binance.com I spend most of my time on Binance.com uh, matters from a, the second part of the question from a regulatory uh, standpoint I think we should not take regulatory uh, regulations as a black and white thing regulations is a big topic it encompasses many different type of regulations among 
on many different type of assets in many different geographic locations uh, in many different countries. Each country have different uh, regulatory bodies looking at different areas. There's no single uh, in general. There's no single correlation that regu- any regulation is bad for crypto or, uh, or or any regulation is good for crypto. And so we have to look at the specific regulations. Uh, I'm not a libertarian at all, so I'm not an anarchist. I don't. There are many sort of strong extreme libertarians uh, that believes that believe can function well without any rules, without any government intervention, etc. My personal take is that I don't think society were quite ready for that. At least in my view, I don't know how we'll keep uh, ourselves safe. Who's going to do the public infrastructure, etc. So I believe our society has not advanced to that stage yet. Our civilization is probably not at that stage that we can organize ourselves very well without any rules, with or without some uh, some party enforcing some rules. I believe we still need in that regard. I still believe we need some rules, which basically are regulations. And regulations are not totally bad. They uh, the good regulations protect users, protect investors or or consumers, and while actually also encourage innovation. And so there's typically a good set of rules that we can find over time. But finding those calibrating those rules is also a is not also not a black and white thing. Again, my expectation to be honest is the first set of regulations that's geared towards crypto around the world are going to be somewhat restrictive. And that's okay. I mean, look, if I was a regulator, the easiest thing that what the most logical thing I would do is to look at the existing financial regulations in the financial uh, traditional financial space and bring them into crypto because I think that's most likely logically the closest thing that we have in existence right now. And crypto is fundamentally crypto do have very fundamental or very basic, or very um, what do you call it? Uh, very significant differences from traditional finance. And so we have to adjust some of those those regulations. But the easiest thing is to borrow what's what's existing and then and then copy it and then adjust. So I think that, I think over time the adjustments will happen. Uh, what's good is um, uh, in different parts of the world, they are actually the regulations uh, for crypto are actually very different right now. The, this is a good thing because uh, well, this is tricky for new businesses that's in this in our space. So for each region, you have to do something. You may have to do something slightly different. Uh, but it's good from a new industry perspective because it gives us more views on what, how different regulations have different impacts. We can figure and the different regions, different regulators actually have to compete a little bit to see. Who has the better regulations to promote to promote economic growth and also protect consumers while not like killing all the all the startups and all the companies? Yeah, so there's many different sets sets of regulations in the world, which I think is great. Uh, it does add quite a bit more complexity uh, for businesses to navigate. And to be honest, in a lot of places, the lack of clarity is probably even a big, bigger problem. So I view having clarity is usually a plus, but having clarity on a super restrictive or even an outright ban of crypto or banning banks from working with crypto businesses, stuff like that is definitely negative. But overall, but I think having no rules is also tricky. It's also not good for businesses even. I think we've got to take a calibrated and balanced approach. And more, also more importantly is um, as a business player in this, as a player in this industry, we want to, I, we and I, I know other wants to work to have a collaborative relationship with regulators that we work together in this discovery process and hopefully um, help to shape uh, or help to find the optimum regulations and rules and guidelines quicker so that we can grow the industry faster. Michael, do you want to go? Hi, CZ. A quick question with regard to the geographic custody of um, your portfolio or your coins. Is it possible to choose the area responsible for the custody of your accounts in a kind of way? I'm thinking sort of as you can choose if you've got a bullion account, you could choose the geographical area where that bullion is stored. Would it be possible to do the same thing with a Binance account? 
That's a pretty interesting one. Um, the short answer is probably no, um, because uh, crypto works fundamentally to traditional um, assets. Um, so, for example, if you if you store some bitcoins on the USB stick, you can probably you can probably logically think, okay, that's on the USB stick, and the USB stick is physically somewhere. If you store if you store something on your computer, oh, but it, if you take the USB stick to a different country, that that automatically moves to a different country. Yes, and the same thing works with your laptop. But when you do, when you when you store something in the cloud, say your I don't know Google Notes or Apple Notes, your emails, which which location exactly is that is that piece of information in? Most cloud services do uh, have multiple have uh, cross regional uh, replications for security purposes. Um, if one set of servers uh, die, we actually have a backup of no user data is lost. Uh, your cryptocurrencies are not lost. When you get into the cloud, especially the uh, any service that serves millions of users, we actually have to uh, take care of uh, disaster recovery, uh, redundancy, etc. And um, there's u- almost always multiple copies of uh, information based for your account uh, in multiple places. There are some exceptions. Some countries require certain certain information to be only stored on servers physically located in their in their countries. Sometimes that happens, but uh, for example, my understanding is Binance, Binance US have everything in the US, etc. But for most other global international businesses, for example, I don't know if we're using Clubhouse right now. I would imagine they probably have a caching servers in in Europe, in, in Asia, in Japan, in other places. And so it's it's quite hard to um, to describe where exactly that information is. Sometimes, and it can be copied over very very. It can be copied, cached in multiple layers quite easily. So not a simple thing to do. Yeah, so I understand that I can understand from a traditional gold bullion point perspective, you want to have a physical thing to point to. But in the crypto world, it's just information. And to like to make to make this even more confusing, bitcoins actually don't exist. Uh, what exists is just a ledger, and the ledger is replicated in in thousands or if not ten thousands of nodes uh, all around the world. So where is that bitcoin? It's kind of hard to define. So uh, a lot of the traditional concepts uh, are kind of hard to apply into a crypto or uh, in a, into a digital world and hope that addresses that thank you Susie. Um, let's go yeah. to albert hi thanks for bringing me uh me up here so my question is back to um stock token so first as, as a user i am hoping to see like a uh, crypto related stock like microsoft strategy or riot to be listed on the binance if you're considering like some of the stocks so my question would be do we foresee 24 by 7 trading of stock tokens uh, right. So, uh, number one, thanks for that suggestion. And I kind of really agree with it. I'm a big fan of microseller and micro strategy, etc. I'm a big fan. But as I said, I'm actually not in the listing process. I actually don't know which one's going to come next. And uh, the second part of the question is also very interesting. From a technology point of view, we are fully able to offer 24 by 7 trading on any token, no matter what it, what it represents. I believe right now they are only trading during those hours because of, I would imagine, because of some restrictions on our partner side. Actually, so while thinking about it, actually, I, I may know why, why they would, there's a logical reason that why they would do, they would not, they would do that. For example, if, um, if a large number, if, so they, what they do is they need to hold the, uh, they, our partner needs to hold the actual equity in, in place uh, before, if, so basically, for example, if, uh, if a user buys that token, our partner, CME equities have, have to have actually go out there and buy that equity as on the line. So uh, they, they have to hold it as in their, in their account that, that equity. If they don't, uh, let's say somebody buys somebody buys a token, and then the stock price goes up. The tokens are worth a lot more, and now 
the the partner has to deliver that that value, but they didn't buy that that, that securities, that's, and they'll be they'll be at a loss. So they'll be they'll be kind of kind of a, a trading with the a counterparty to the user. So they don't do that. What they do is they just they just hold the stock. If they, they if we allow trading outside of the stock trading hours, let's say if, if some guy comes in and wants to buy a million shares of Tesla, and then but they but this, our partner probably will not be able to would not be able to buy that on the stock market at that time. If the if the price changes, then our partner can be in a financial uh, situation, can be financially uh, taking a loss of profit. And so I think that's probably the lo- the the reason why it's not allowed to while while they have not turned on trading trading for twenty four hours. So that's probably the most logical reason. Uh, there could be other regulatory or other rules that's in place that I'm not aware about. Um, but that's that's the one I would guess. Uh, it's my guess. Um, I don't know the details to be to be very frank. Thank you. Let's go to Ali. Hi, Ali. Hi, CZ. Thank you for your time.、Uh, I want to know, CZ, when will you be able to buy other companies' stock on Binance? I mean, the complete list.、Uh, sure. So,、um, so we we typically do things one step at a time to make sure that there are no huge issues. But now the first two are working. We actually had some issues with a with a, with a second one. So now the first two are working. So I I would I would expect the team will continue to ramp up the number of listings available and make more and more、uh, stocks available on the platform. So it's just a matter of time. As a mission, we want to provide well as our sort of、um, di- general di- general direction or principle. We want to provide as much access to 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 people all around the world as possible. So that's we are here to provide access. So we want to have a large selection of、uh, products that people can have access to. So that I'm sure the selection will increase over time. Miguel. Hi, CZ.、Uh, this is Miguel. First, I have two questions.、Uh, first is, do you have any plans of listing the FTX token FTT? And do you have any slated dates on when、uh, the Visa card will be launched in Asia? Okay, I thought FTT is already listed on Binance.com. If I'm not mistaken. To put it in the savings platform, the Earn platform. Okay. Yeah, but in general, I don't know. So, and even ninety nine percent. Well, in this case, I don't know. But even if I do, we can't announce. I cannot announce different times of certain tokens、uh, having more features、uh, within the Binance ecosystem or uh, within uh, with on Binance dot com or not. So, for that, just follow our official announcements. I do not、uh, random earlier、uh, disclosures or announcements in smaller groups or forums or in private. That's just a very unprofessional and unethical thing to do. Anyone on from the Binance team who does that will be immediately let go, myself included. So、um, I can't do that, and I just choose not to know in most cases. So it makes life a lot simpler for me, and I and I will not inadvertently、uh, leak、uh, say something that I'm not not supposed to say. But I thought that was the second part of the question, which I forgot. But anyway, but、uh, we'll continue to add more and more products. And、uh, the earnings team, the、uh, when they would do at least certain product、uh, tokens, etc. I'm not too sure. Again, I think our general philosophy is very simple. All teams, all products within Binance follow users. So if there's a large number of users demanding it, wanting it, using it, most likely will get listed pretty quickly. Thank you. Let's go to Dima. Hey, Susie. Thanks for organizing this room. It's a short intro. I'm joining you from Hong Kong. My background is in、uh, digital asset security, and、um, I mean physical security of digital assets is a big issue right now, and、uh, especially given uh, fraud in uh, regulation in crypto in India, Turkey might be a hot topic.、Uh, we actually chatted on Twitter a while ago about a possibility of extension of Trust Wallet、uh, to a Cold Wallet solution. 
So at some point, SafePal kind of popped on your radar, but I didn't see too much traction. So is this something Binance is interested in as an extension of service, especially in the regions where, you know, the users might be exposed to regulations? How do you see that? Sorry, the question is, uh, yeah, the, the question is, what the uh, what's the extension or what's the service that you are proposing? So essentially for users, especially in regions where the regulation is not exactly clear, like currently in India and Turkey and uh, probably other countries that may follow, to give them an ability to move their digital assets to a physical cold storage as an extension to, to your soft wallet, trust wallet. Is it something that you consider strategically? Uh, okay. Well, first of all, hi, Dima. Um, I do recognize your advertise, so uh, we, we have interacted a few times uh, yeah. uh, on Twitter mostly. Yeah, so uh, the short answer is no. Uh, we are not very into physical stuff. So that's not, it's not something that we actively chase or pursuing. We are more of the, uh, so I'm much more of the uh, non-physical uh, stuff. I believe having fiscal point actually increase the risk of failure for uh, for holding crypto. Um, I believe the more safer approach is to have uh, multi signatures involved. So basically, uh, threshold signatures, etc. So multiple parties uh, in geographically dispersed locations, each one holding a part of the key, and uh, they are able to sign uh, in, in part. The technology is now there to combine the signatures into one signature. Um, that to the outside looks like a single key uh, signature, but you know, what happens is actually uh, multiple people around different parts in different parts of the world are actually signing it. This can be done very securely. I view this as being much secure, much more secure than one physical vault uh, that holds a key, a USB stick. There are so many problems with that. Uh, with a second approach, a lot of the traditional security experts recommend this approach, and in fact, some regulators in some countries recommend this approach. But I believe this is a far inferior approach to execute. If people in the vault, uh, the operator who has to ha access the vault uh, with some memory training, people can remember 34 characters in sequence. And after they get out of the vault, uh, that single person can move those funds. So we want to, uh, I strongly uh, advocate a what we call a zero trust uh, security infrastructure where uh, not no single person can do, uh, can can harm the system even if they want to. So uh, with the multi-signature approach, uh, that can be done. So we are not in a direction to look for physical vaults for secure Bitcoins locally somewhere. I view that as very inferior. No offense. Uh, I view that as in general inferior. You can argue that, look, uh, of the multiple signature uh, people, you can you put each one of them in a vault. That's okay. Um, to be honest, it's probably not necessary once you have the right security measures in place. You don't really need a vault per se. Um, you can actually do it on a mobile phone in a very, very secure manner, for example. Yeah, that's kind of my take on the sort of, sort of a security, physical security as aspects. So to answer that question, and also I think having a vault doesn't solve the problem of uh, unclear regulations. Uh, whether uh, when the regulations are unclear in a country, whether they're going to ban crypto or not ban crypto, etc., um, those are probably not places where you want to set up a vault right now, uh, because you might set it up and then the regulations flips one way, says it's banned for a number of years, or it's banned forever, and they only only change back for like a few years later. Then why would you want to set up a vault there when there's uncertainty? Uh, vaults are much harder to move, much harder to 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 migrate. So it's uh, anything that's physical is not very liquid, not very movable. So I don't think that solves that problem either. If I'm misunderstanding that question, I apologize. But we can chat. You probably you have my Twitter. I probably follow you on Twitter anyway, so you can DM me. Let's go to Patrick. Hi, Patrick. 
Hi, CZ. With all this going on right now with like coins such as Doge and all that, do you plan on like listing more hype coins on the exchange by any chance? Or is Doge just like a one-time exception kind of thing with all the Elon Musk news and all that? Sure. So uh, we listed Dodge way before Elon tweeted about it. So uh, Dodge is well. So this is an interesting question. There's a couple of aspects to this. I'll try to break it down. Again, we follow users. So if a lot of users want something, then we. Uh, my philosophy is, uh, if a lot of users wants to use something, then it has utility value. And uh, when it has utility, it has value. So that's kind of my view. And we want to provide access to what people want. If it's only wanted by one or two people, then it's probably very low low utility. And we generally don't. Then we'll have less inclination to uh, list it. So we did list Dogecoin way like a year or two before Elon Musk even tweeted about it. So it's not so much that uh, because uh, somebody tweeted may do that in the future uh, timing wise you may, there may be coincidences like that but we follow the users. To that extent if Elon Musk can influence a large number of users we can't tell whether his tweets influence the users or not. We just see a large number of users wanting something and we may still support it. Um, the definition of a what you, what you call it a pump uh, you use, what was the word I used? not a pump coin but hype coin the definition of those words are vague what one person calls a hype coin is be very different from what uh, words or uh, titles or labels are very subjective um there's no quantitative way of measuring it and it's the same as a uh, for example what's a pump coin prices fluctuate all the time uh when it fluctuates by 10 percent, is that a pump when it fluctuates by 100 percent, is that a pump when it fluctuates by 300 percent, is that a pump there's no easy quantifiable ways to uh, define those labels or, or meanings. So um, we don't know what is a hype coin or not. All we do is we look at how many users into it. Even how many users can be defined in many, many different ways. Uh, if it's traded on Binance.com already, then we know how many users are trading it, uh, how many people are holding it. And if it's not listed yet, we can look at how many people are in the Telegram groups, uh, in their communities, how active they are, how many source code commits do they get over the last period of time. We can check how many Facebook mentions, we can check social media mentions, um, a share of voice. There are two there are third party tools analyze those. So number of users can be defined in many different ways as well. So in that respect, it's, uh, even that is somewhat subjective. We do try to take a balanced view across a, num a high number of matrices to get a, a common understanding. Uh, if we look at a single metric, it can be gamed. If you just look at Twitter followers, people can buy Twitter followers if they really want. Uh, if they know that's the only metric we look at, they will just buy Twitter followers. Uh, so, but at the end of the day, we look at number of users where we don't really, we, I don't really care if Elon Musk tweets about a coin or not. But yeah, so we didn't list coin, Dogecoin because Elon tweeted it. But we, uh, lastly, there's a group of coins that have more or less banned by the founders and there's no active development but they have a strong following uh, they have users for whatever reason because people like it and uh, as long as they have users um, they have value so we want to list things that have value and that people want so that's dodge is one of those coins logically this doesn't make sense even for me especially initially but uh, there is a network effect just having a large number of users using it already is valuable and that has network effects on um, more and more people using it and it continues and dogecoin has been abandoned by the uh, founders or developers for a long long time and they continue to grow yeah it's one of those things but that shows that uh, in the decentralized world you may ne not necessarily have a centralized uh, teams pushing something for you to work uh, which is actually very interesting which is very actually very fascinating and also very uh, encouraging for uh, decentralized technologies thank you Sizi. suraj Hi, Sisi. Uh, Sisi, my question is also about uh, Dogecoin and the broader meme coin, as we call it. 
do you think this dodge or meme coins will have more acceptance going towards the future or is it going to be just a coin that people talks about in the bull market or is it going to have like more use cases or something like that uh, what do you think about that Sure, that's a good question. So related to the previous one. So the evolution of my thinking changed over time, and I'm learning this as well. Originally, or in the early days, I had the thought of, oh, look, for any decentralized project, for any project, the uh, the activity, the speed of development is key. So if we look at centralized businesses, for like, for example, Binance.com, I stress very heavily on our execution ability. Internally, um, I tell pe- I tell our team, don't think about strategy. Don't waste time debating strategy. Just focus on, on being able to execute quickly and well. It, with this kind of mindset, when I look at a project and it does not have a lot of uh, source code commits and does not have active development, I would think naturally that project's going to die because uh, other people's going to, uh, there's some other things that will, that will overtake it uh, with more active development. But later on, I found out that's not so true in the decentralized world. In the decentralized world, different things uh, in a mass population, different people can like different things for different reasons. It's, uh, it's possible that something being actively being worked on will like will have a higher chance of having more adoption, increased liking uh, people using it, etc. There are things that are very simple that people just like. Uh, it could be memes, uh, they can, they're fun. Uh, it could be arts. It could be some bragging rights of owning an NFT based on something else. All of those things are very possible. And also in the decentralized world, when you don't have a team working on it, namely Bitcoin, Dogecoin, and a few other projects, well, most of the projects that nobody works on are worthless. But Bitcoin is one of the uh, prime examples of, well, Bitcoin have a lot of people working on it and working for it uh, in a voluntary basis but bitcoin doesn't have a founder anymore uh well it never really had a founder we don't know who he is that aspect of it uh, that the lack of um, clear effort clear clear association is a feature as well uh, it actually has a lot of value and dodge actually kind of has that value i don't know if that makes sense or not in the decentralized world i actually had to go through this transition of um, uh, mentality over the last few years uh, especially with dodge well, this my current realization is actually very fairly recent to be very honest so it goes to show that and even my understanding right now could, could be off by a lot i could I, I can probably further evolve it over time i probably will further evolve my understanding over time but it's, it's a really interesting and fascinating a project that has no one working on actually continues to have value sometimes um and so you can't so that for that reason what i've re- asked the binance team to adjust is before our listing process was okay we've got to have a founder talking to us uh, if you're not bitcoin if you're bitcoin we're going to list it without a founder without knowing a founder anything else you got to talk to us we, we got to have a founder talking to us we actually have to relax change that rule or, or change that guideline so that for a lot of DeFi projects the, the founders choose to be anonymous and uh, we list them so sushi was one, one of those examples a while back so we have to continually evolve our understanding with this new development so we're in this learning process as well but that's kind of my view on that thank you uh hi sheng nang yeah thank you i really appreciate it for your time cd and for your information about binance smart chain and bnb also stock tokens uh what you are doing i think is really meaningful and valuable because i really have this kind of uh, issue i want to get a better understanding about the stock, stock tokens my question is when I want to trade U.S. stocks here in mainland China, it's kind of, well, complicated to normal people. For example, in terms of it is very slow and uh, with, we can say, kind of high transaction fees, there will be cost. So it's not convenient. So if I can buy stocks or we may say stock tokens, just like buying and, set and selling cryptos uh, easily without transaction fees, so who is affording that cost or the traditional transaction fees? Or if there is no transaction fee, then where did the cost go? Can you 
Sure. So, um, uh, well, there's a couple of things. Number one, the stock tokens currently is not available for users in China and also users in, in the U.S. So these are two markets that we feel, I guess, we have legal advice for not being able to service those two. On the second part, the uh, on the fees part, I'm, I'm taking a guess here. The fees, uh, the traditional fees for trading an instrument are very, in the traditional industries, there are a lot of layers. You have the exchange, you have the brokers, uh, you have the uh, claim and settlement guys, you have a lot of players, uh, you have a lot of uh, people involved in that process. And that process, historically, due to technology limitations, etc., has not been very efficient. So the cost is higher. In the token world, the cost is much, much less. And this is thanks to the blockchain technologies. Now, when you deposit Bitcoin, we don't need another claim settlement firm. Your trade is fine. Final right away, and um, uh, we don't need another uh, clearing firm. And clearing firms historically has been very expensive to the point where many stock trading apps claim zero fees, but they get a kickback from the claim uh, from the claim side, and that's more than sufficient to run a very large business. We just uh, we either use blockchains or we have a very fast, efficient platform. We also don't have a lot of the uh, middleman brokers for the tokens uh, on the token side. We need brokers for the securities on the uh, traditional stock exchange side. But in the crypto side, we don't have brokers. We don't uh, we don't have other middle and charging fees. Um, so, th- so we can very heavily democratize the access to uh, crypto trading. So uh, these are all ways to lower the fees, um, but the fees will not be zero. And right now, my understanding is right now, it's z- we often launch products with zero fees as a promotional uh, mean, uh, as a promotional way to gain more users, to bootstrap the product so that we can bootstrap the product quicker. Um, there are also uh, situations where we can use, uh, if there's strong synergies, uh, if the data shows that it's able to attract users from, from places where we were not able to track users and those users convert to using our other products that have fees, then we can potentially continue to uh, prolong the zero fee or make the fees even lower, etc. The zero fee part, I do believe in very transparent fee structures. For example, Binance have always charged a trading fee and it's, trans- it's very transparent, it's very clear to the user, knows what, what they're paying for and uh, how we make money. So um, the zero fee for a stock trading uh, is a new platform. I would imagine that's probably a promotional thing for now. It may extend for a very long time. It may be very short I don't know. It's also possible that if this service is bringing a lot of new users into the platform for us, for our other businesses, we may, uh, so we keep a lot of the user acquisition channels. We could keep a lot of the user acquisition channels zero fee, or, or sometimes we actually even incentivize that. So we, we have rebates, etc. So um, different business models we can use, but I do fundamentally believe in simple, clear business uh, models. But, but what was mentioned was very interesting. I think that hits the nail for our core philosophy, which is to enable more access to uh, uh, financial products for people all around the world. But due to certain uh, limitations or regulations, etc., we are not able to offer this product at this time in the US or China, I believe. We have a couple of minutes left. Let's take two last questions. And Kevin, hi. Hi. So, CZ, I've got a question for you about prediction markets because like, we've been kind of talking today about uh, bringing crypto into spaces that aren't quite crypto, have some connection to it. And we've already seen FTX do some kind of interesting things with prediction markets. Their U.S. election markets traded a lot and uh, really interesting to look at from a trading perspective. Is that something that Binance is interested in? Yes, so we are definitely aware of it and we look at it. And so far, I don't think we're doing very much about it, to be very honest. It's a very fun thing to do, but we believe the market has not 
shown to be that big. It's very interesting. It generates a lot of PR. It generates a lot of discussions and, and talks. It's a fun thing to do. And um, I actually fundamentally think that petition markets should exist. They are an important part of a of any economy. And they are much more accurate than any other means of predictions. You can have like guys who are KOLs who are knowledgeable experts, but they can talk all day without having skin in the game. Whereas prediction markets, you got to put money where your mouth is. And those are generally, in theory, should be much more accurate. Yeah, so I, I think personally, I really like those things. And but based on like my impressions that the, the user numbers are not super high right now. And uh, we have been busy coping with uh, a lot more users flooding into the Binance.com main platform. So we're focusing most of our efforts there. The stock tokens projects have been uh, have been kicked off quite a while ago and uh, it's a small team so they did the work very quickly so we we don't have plans to do that for prediction markets but things could change very quickly the prediction markets are not very difficult to do for us and we can probably knock out this product along those lines in a, in a matter of weeks um, so things could change we are pretty dynamic if the user numbers change well, our decisions may change as well thank you Susie. hi Arisa. so Susie, I had a question about decentralization because I've noticed that Binance but also unfortunately sometimes you personally have received uh, critics about that Binance is very centralized. So I was wondering, are there any future plans to make Binance more decentralized? Uh, yes, so that's a pretty common and recurring topic. So there's many different things. Uh, well, there's many different aspects to decentralization and decentralization. If this being a recorded session, I'll repeat in a bit more detail here so that we can uh, have more people listen to it, hopefully. There are many different aspects to centralization versus decentralization. From And there's many, many different ways to look at it. If we look at, say, number one, uh, what we talked about Dogecoin or Bitcoin, let's say cryptocurrency are they centralized around a, per, a single person, a team, etc. Bitcoin is very decentralized in that way. So Bitcoin is pretty mostly centralized in that way. If you look in that dimension, if you look at Ethereum or Binance Coin, Vitalik and myself can probably be associated with each coin and um, we actually do have some influence over it. Uh, Vitalik probably has a lot more direct involvement and on the development of Ethereum, whereas for me, actually, I'm not technically that knowledgeable about BSC to be very frank. But if I suggest something, I probably get some respect from some of the community members and probably have larger influence than a what we call an average person is that centralization i, I think so at least compared to bitcoin we're, we're more dis, we're more centralized in that way and between ethereum and Binance smart chain i feel that actually vitalik's uh, involvement and influence on ethereum is probably higher than mine on bsc i'm not really involved in bsc to be very frank i shit it all the time i advertise for it all the time uh, I was not involved in the creation of, of it. I was not involved in the technical design of it. I was not involved in many, most of the features that it has. I was not involved in the integration with third-party tools to the point where I just find out uh, those features when after uh, they're live and I'm using it. I'm learning them from the Binance tutorial <laughs> pages that our team have wrote. Or actually, some of the tutorials are written by community members too. So from that perspective, I'm actually much less involved in Binance Smart Chain. And if you look at the token distribution perspective, uh, again, I think Ethereum has pretty good token distribution. Bitcoin actually has a more centralized token distribution. Uh, some of the earlier, uh, we have more earlier Bitcoin maxes that, that holds quite a large number of uh, Bitcoins, relatively speaking. And BNB is the Binance team reserved. Uh, when we did the ICO, there was 40% of the total supply that was reserved for the team. By the team, we meant not, not individuals, not splitting to individuals on the team. We just meant the, the project itself. We want, we reserve some uh, tokens for future marketing plans, uh, user growth plans, team rewards, uh, like etc. But we actually never use that. So to the point where we're actually going to burn it all. That 40% was never never used, never moved, never distributed, and never spent, uh, and never sold. That would just be burned over time. Um, that, in a sense, is actually a very fair 
token launch. So there's no reserve pre-mine any of those concepts if you think about it. All the BNB that we hold today are we actually earn through our through our services, through our fees. So we could earn a USDT and buy BNB, but we let people pay us in BNB and a large number of them do. And so that's on the token distribution side. Then if you look at the number of nodes mining, Bitcoin mining is pretty centralized. The top three uh, miners control more, way more than, uh, the top three mining pools probably control more than 51% of the hash power, hash rate. In theory, it's possible. It just takes those three mining pools to do something nefarious. But then again, that would be detected almost immediately on the blockchain and people will withdraw their mining powers from mining pools if, if that was done. So there's some mechanism against that. Ethereum mining is... Uh, it's not that much better, to be very frank. The Binance mining pool is actually probably somewhere around the 10th uh, largest mining pool. So Binance Lab mining pool is the second largest mining pool for Bitcoin and probably around the 10th-ish. It changes from time to time for uh, for Ethereum. But the Binance coin, uh, we have two blockchains. Both blockchains do not require mining. It's more of a validator uh, node, a smaller number of validator node architecture. as more of a POS, POSA type of uh, consensus mechanism. A more centralized, um, you can say uh, from that perspective, maybe yes. There's a smaller number of validators, smaller number of nodes, mainly for performance reasons. Are people going to do something nefarious? Is it possible if uh, 11 out of the 21 nodes collude to do something bad? Possible. Again, you'll be detected immediately and the community will have ways to address it, uh, ourselves included. And then you look at, and then you look at, so those are like, there's a lot more different dimensions along those lines. Uh, there's no pure decentralization. There's no pure centralization. We need to argue on different matrices. And then we look at Binance.com, which is a centralized change, which is a central Right now, is a central, more or less centralized team. But Binance.com itself is a big contributor, well, is a relatively big contributor in the ecosystem. But it's actually believed that Binance.com's contribution is diminishing for BNB. It's actually diminished over time, given the success of um, Binance Smart Chain, which is great. Uh, we, myself, uh, and Binance.com, uh, we want to use our influence to help BSC grow, just because we are a relatively successful business in the industry, and we are relatively influential in the industry. Just because we're influential and we're putting our influence behind the support of Binance Smart Chain. Does it make Binance Smart Chain more centralized just because they have a more influential, slightly bigger player supporting it? You guys, you can decide it for, for yourself. I was actually asked this question recently, saying that because we actually, we bought back, what well, we earned back a lot of BNB, we're a relatively large holder of BNB. Does it make BNB more centralized? I'm like, well, look, if you look at Bitcoin, if you're starting any new project, or not starting, if you if for any coin, you want more people to hold it. The more a, anybody holds more of it, the better it is for uh, for the rest of the guys. And why would you not want somebody, some big guy to, or some whale to hold more of it? Um, yes, they could potentially influence price more, but they financially incentivize not to do that. Um, there's no financial incentive for a large holder to destroy the price of the coin they hold. Uh, the more they hold, the more they actually want to work for that coin. Uh, which is better for the, for everybody else holding that coin. So as a coin holder or for as anybody, they, you want more people to hold more of that coin that you hold. Um, there's no there's very little downside to it unless the tenant is to lose money and destroy that thing, uh, which does not make sense, especially at, not at the size of uh, a big uh, Binance coins market cap today. So so that's kind of uh, on the coin side. So there's a lot of misconceptions. On the Binance CEX side, uh, centralized exchange side, we actually wanted to centralize that organization as well. So compared to 
to a fully decentralized community, yes, the Binance.com is a centralized exchange. We have a we have team structures, etc. Um, I I have the title of a CEO, even though I actually don't really do anything that's uh, related to execution. So, but that's the title that most people seem to be able to ease, most easily grasp and associate with what I'm doing. So I have that title, which I actually don't really like that title. Um, we actually internally talked about getting rid of all titles, but uh, and we talked about getting rid of a CEO title. Somehow, I I'm actually for it. Uh, somehow we retained it for whatever reason. I would actually prefer just to be, I don't know, a founder or um, partner or leader or even a consultant. I'm okay with any of those titles. I don't care about titles at all. Compared to any centralized, typical, traditional, what people understand as a typical company, Binance.com is very decentralized uh, to the point where we actually don't use the word company that much. This is an area where I get into a lot of, um, I had to explain this over and over to various different journalists, people who doesn't really understand our, our industry. They keep asking questions about where's your headquarters, where's your office, where's your bank account. Like, well, we started with none of those things. Well, we could, we can run an organization perfectly fine and perfectly well without any of those things. So uh, people have this traditional mentality where you're leading a project, so you got to be a company. The company is, 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 is one of the most virtual concepts that humans invented as well. Um, you can create as many companies as you want in theory and... Um, I don't know what they, I don't know what exactly they mean. People have a common understanding of a company is a group of guys working together on common goal with the understood incentive structures, um, which are usually um, salary bonuses and then some stock options, etc. We can replicate that uh, most of those structures without what the word company itself. Um, we, we can replicate most of the incentive structures using tokens, etc. So that's possible now, and many people don't understand that. So we are looking for. I'm actually really looking for ways to say, hey, um, you know, Coinbase did the IPO. They're realizing the value on their shares, which is great. We may potentially not need to do that in the future. We probably will be able to incentivize our teams both in short-term and long-term incentives without using equities at all. If we can do that, then we can we can completely get rid of a company and fully decentralize the organization. And there are difficulties in doing that as well, but it's there's a lot of his traditional concepts which may or may not apply to, to an organization like Binance.com. So we're looking at more, uh, different ways to decentralize that. Compared to a traditional company, the Binance Centralized Exchange team is actually very decentralized to the point where we internally, we rarely use the word company. We rarely use the word employee, but at least I don't. Uh, we mostly use the word organization and we use we mostly use the word team member internally. But we, I still use the word internally to so sort of differentiate between a, uh, a Binance paid, a per, Binance long-term paid person versus a, for example, Binance Angels. Uh, Binance Angels are volunteers that work for us, that work, that contributes to Binance, centralized exchanges and also uh, decentralized projects without pay, without fixed pay. Um, they get benefits from here at different times and they also don't have the restrictions that there's the sort of what we call the internal team. Uh, has uh, around trading, etc. So there are many different ways to, to decentralize an organization. To be very frank, we don't have all the answers yet. Uh, this is something that we're heavily exploring. So there are very there are many various different accusations on Binance being too centralized or being too decentralized from both sides. We don't know what's right or we can't really. Uh, we can just explain how we are and how we operate, but we can't really. Uh, those definitions we can't. We I try not to spend too much time discussing debating about this but uh, typically in a large forum like this and especially if it's recorded i'm more than happy to explain this so that more and more people can can understand our position and, uh, and our thinking so that's kind of my view on this topic it's a recurring topic or comes up almost every single time so hopefully we'll we we'll have to repeat many times and so that, for, so that people get what we're thinking thank you cz that was amazing yeah so uh, thanks guys for listening in and uh, thanks for being supportive of finance smart chain of bnb or any of the projects in our ecosystem 
ecosystem and also just crypto in general. Yeah, we'll continue to do what we can and we'll do our best. We're not perfect by any means. We have a lot of issues right now, especially on the customer support side. So we're spending a lot of effort in those areas. So yeah, thanks for your support and I uh, hope to talk to you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you so much.